Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. On this show, my job is to bring some really interesting people who do things a little differently than maybe you do in your life. The people who listen to the show are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, people with jobs who just want to be more entrepreneurial inside their job, or maybe they have a dream of, of splitting away from corporate America and starting their own thing. But whatever it is, you can't do it if you just see the whole world through your own lenses. So twice a week, Tuesday and Thursday, I do my best to bring people to the show who are doing things that are very cool, but also a little bit different. And I think today's guest is a perfect example of who I look for when I'm seeking out really cool people to be on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Today's guest is Gordy Bufton. Now, Gordy is a young guy who is out there doing something a little different. He actually coaches parents how not to screw up their kids in this digital age. Now, if you think about that, whoever would have thought back in the 70s when I was a kid that my parents would want to go hire someone to help them, like, figure it out. Back then it was like, well, you know, we got four kids. As long as three of them turn out okay, it's probably all right. But nowadays, we want to do everything right, and he has put together a great business, and he travels the country speaking to different groups, sharing his advice, and he doesn't come by this accidentally. Maybe we'll get him to share a little bit about his personal story, but he had a few bumps in the roads when he himself was a kid, and from that, he knows from the perspective of a kid who might have screwed up a little how to help parents make sure that their kids stay on a little bit stronger path. So, Gordy Bufton, welcome to Cool Things. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me and super excited to interact with your awesome guests and or not guests. I mean, your awesome uh, client base. <laughs> no, they're my guests. Every you're, time you're they listeners, every time they download an episode, it's like they're sitting in my living room having a beer. They're my guests. So uh, and you're my guest. So let me tell you, uh, I think what you're doing is really unique and it's really cool. And I know you're having a lot of success, but I don't think I'd ever do justice to telling people someone's job, and I hate to read sort of canned bios. So why don't you share with the audience, who is Gordy Bufton, and what do you do? So Gordy Bufton is a person who's always changing, and what I do is I really help entrepreneurs and high-performing parents empower their children in this evolving digital age. Basically, I help parents really connect with their kids, and we focus on the child's perspective. As you know, there's a lot of parenting experts out there, but they all focus on the parent's perspective versus what the kid is actually experiencing. And my business partner and I, his name is Bradley Callow, like we weren't that far removed from being kids of high performing parents. And, you know, we learned some things along the way and, you know, have been able to use that and share that to really focus on the child's perspective, what children are really experiencing in today's day and age. So a lot of people who listen to this show are high-performing entrepreneurs, or they, or they want to be. What are some of the pitfalls that these people face in raising kids? Yeah, so one of the pitfalls that entrepreneurs fate, like experience with their kids is they're so problem-solving, and their career revolves around them solving problems for themselves and others. Therefore, when they go try to solve their kids' problems, 
it usually enables the kid and doesn't allow the kid to really realize what failure is or how to live life on their own when mom and dad aren't watching over and helping them do everything. Yeah, because I have a couple of kids, uh, teenagers. One's about to turn 20 in a couple of months, so I guess I'll only have one teenager. But I've tried to make it very clear that you know moving back in and living in my basement really isn't what they're going to do. And I don't have a basement, so there's really no room for them because as Jackie learned when she moved away, her bedroom became the podcast studio where I am right now. Used to be her bedroom. It's now cool things entrepreneurs do central. So in, in this world where we want to do everything for our kids, what, what's happening when we're doing too much of that? I mean, what, how is that affecting the kids or how did that affect you? Yeah, so how that affected me is when I went off to college and I had all this free reign, I quickly turned to substances to deal with my emotions and pain which was a very destructive path for me. But, you know, all too frequently we're talking to kids that are freshmen in college and they don't know how to do the washing machine. They don't know how to budget. They're coming to Tom every week. I need another $300, Dad. Well, what happened to the last $300? (laughs) Which this is where I admire you as a dad. I hope my kid – I hope my kid – I hope my kids are listening to this because they're not coming to me saying I need more money. I'm saying uh, too bad. But a lot of a lot of high performing parents, you know, they try to overcompensate for not necessarily being able to spend the right amount of time with their kids. So then they do just write that check and it they think solves the problem when usually it only exasperates it. So you yourself found yourself dealing with substances as a way to sort of deal. And that can take people down the the, the wrong path a long way. You did you didn't have an easy ride with that. So what happened? Yeah, so the. Uh, Cliff Notes version, I ended up dropping out of college on a golf and academic scholarship because of addiction to ecstasy. Then I ended up spending my 20th birthday in jail because I decided to give a police officer a fake ID. Usually doesn't go over well. (laughs) And then the following week, I had actually just been kicked out of my parents' multi-million dollar house. This was at 20. And then the following week, got jumped in Macon, Georgia, brick to the back of the head, almost killed me. And, you know, these experiences really forced me to take a look at my addiction and change. And then when I did get sober, I had to deal with some mental illness stuff because I had done so much brain damage. Went in and out of five different psych wards, went to a, I actually escaped one of the psych wards. That, for some reason, doesn't go over very well. Two helicopters, six police dogs, and they still couldn't find me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of an elusive creature. And um, just like that perfect child. And then I uh, went through a three-month drug and alcohol treatment program in San Francisco and been clean and sober coming up uh, in April. It'll be seven years, and really the last five years I've dedicated myself and my life to giving back to others, spoke to over 20,000 young adults, high school, middle school, elementary school, to really just empower them and talk to them from a child's perspective, like what these substances and addictions actually do to the brain and body. So you've come a long way. You've, you've fought your demons and, and, and you've turned the corner. So instead of going, you know, back to college or going straight to a corporate job, you sort of created your own path. Why did you do that? I'm not very good at listening to others, <laughs> which is a, an asset and a benefit. The now I definitely seek out mentors who are much smarter and wiser than me in a certain area and try to learn from them. 
Although I, I just never quite fit into the way that I think and process doesn't quite fit into a corporate job as I'm always trying to look at things differently. And if something has done something a certain way for 10 years, I'll be like, well, why don't you do it this way? <laughs> bosses don't necessarily love that. <laughs> so, so now that you've been doing this for many years and you've added in sort of this coaching, the entrepreneurial, high-performing parents piece to it, what is it that you love about the life that you've created? I love the travel. The travel is really amazing. You know, last year I spoke in Thailand and Bahamas. Who doesn't want to go to those locations? <laughs> I've never spoke in Thailand, although I visited there. But uh, I, too, have spoken in the Bahamas, and that's pretty cool. I know it's really awesome. I I really love the the time. Not I haven't quite got to level my business where I have oodles of time freedom. Although that's my personal goal, but I also really love being able to just impact others in you know whether it's through a podcast or whether it's through coaching someone one on one or a speech or even just meeting someone at the grocery store. Like we really have no idea how like a simple interaction will allow us to impact someone else's life. So let's talk about the, the coaching piece because I find that somewhat fascinating. Tell me about how you got into that and, and what value you bring to families. Sure. So I got, I'm trying to think my first coaching, I decided to do training about three years ago with a guy by the name of David Essel. And his program was holistic addiction recovery coaching which really fascinated me because it had a different perspective on addiction recovery versus just going to 12-step meetings. So that's, I, I got my first client through there. And then my second client came shortly thereafter. I was working a little bit more with their family as well as their son going through some mental illness, just kind of high main focus on the, the daily rituals. And then have really evolved and now we work with high-performing families and their kids as well. Our ultimate goal, what we really do, is we get families to communicate. <laughs> like, honestly, it's really, um, it's not rocket science what I do, but to be able to have a conversation with the children as well as the parents, and the, the children really look at me as an older role model or sibling, so they don't have the necessary blinders that go up when they're seeing a therapist in that setting and we do most of our calls on zoom so it's a little bit uh, not as serious as you know my business partner brad like he used to go to therapy at 12 13 and he had one of the therapists go to him so are you ready to lie to me for the next 50 minutes and he goes yes <laughs> nice um you know so we our, our main focus is really connecting with the kids and, and creating that bridge of having a family conversation. So you've taken what was clearly a hardship and spun it around and made it into you know a positive force and a way to make a living. So if someone out there has been through their own rough times, or, or maybe they've just been through the, the ups and downs that we all face in life, and they want to turn that into a business, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to go create their own path? So saying that I love your mess is your message, I think that's extremely valuable. And obviously, I've created a business around that. My advice, go find someone that's already doing it or in the space and really just learn from them. And this is 
part of the reason why we're friends because I know Dom, you're one of the best speakers in the U.S. And you know, trying to learn and as one of my other mentors says, R and D, which stands for rip off and duplicate. <laughs> I think it's it's a little strong, but you know, anything that really at this stage of the game we want to do, someone else has already done it. So we could either go try to create a new wheel or learn from someone. And, you know, I I think that is such great advice because that's something I tell people all the time. I get calls from people who say, oh, I want to be a speaker. And I'm like, great. How many speaker friends do you have? And they look at me like kind of oddly. And sometimes they'll say, well, you. And I'm like, no, we're just having coffee and you're picking my brain. We've never met before. How many friends do you have who are out there doing things in the universe that you want to play in. And oftentimes they'll go, well, none. And my first advice is go make friends with people who are doing this job that you want to pursue, whatever it is. And, you know, that's what I've seen you do when you travel around. You call up and you say, hey, I'm going to be in Austin. Let's go meet at a coffee shop or, or whatever. And you've done that with a lot of people. And as you do that, and I did the same thing when I started in this business and I still try to do it. I'm, I'm speaking in St. Louis, uh, about probably before this will actually air, but I'm speaking in St. Louis this month, and it uh, I have another speaker coming to watch me do the two breakout sessions I'm doing at, at this conference. And then coincidentally, he lives in St. Louis. He's speaking that night, and I'm going to go watch him speak at the conference that he's speaking at. And A, it's sharing experiences like that makes our friendship stronger. But B, then afterwards we can talk about, wow, I really liked how you did this and, and you know, I pick up, picked up that and, and et cetera. Plus his perspective will help me. And I think that that's a really smart thing. So I kind of applaud you that you've been doing that sort of all along. Yeah, and I I actually just did that on Wednesday. Went to a an, an organization that I speak a lot with, but watching a different speaker and just from his per presentation aspect and how he interacted with the audience. And, and sometimes it's the good and also sometimes what not to do. <laughs> Without <laughs> question, yes. And I was kind of a little bit surprised of some of the things not <laughs> to do. Um, but, and, and to layer that down, one extra layer is, you know, so many people approach me like, I want to write a book. What do I, what's the first thing I do? And I, I tell them every single time, like, are you writing every single day? And I'm sure, Tom, you have how many? 12 books out? Yeah, something like that. Something insane. Most of them always say no. <laughs> and so, like, the first step is write 30 minutes to an hour every single day. Yeah, Stephen King, in his one of his books about writing, Stephen King said that he asks people all the time who say, oh, I want to be a writer. And he goes, how often? What do you write? And they go, well, I don't right now. And he's all, no, no, writers write. They don't care if it gets published. You know, writers write, and I tell the same thing to people who want to come into the speaking industry: is speakers speak. Go to a Rotary Club, speak at your church, do you know whatever, get in front of people because these are learned skills. I mean, some people I think are born with some innate skills in these areas, but the rest of us have to slog through and learn. And the same thing is true if you want to be a plumber. Guess what? Plumbers plumb. You know, you got to go out and do whatever whatever it is uh, in order to get great at it. It's it's sort of the ten thousand hours you know uh, theory, the Malcolm Gladwell thing that. Uh, you know, whatever it is you want to do, you'd better be out there doing it if you want to be among the great ones, because eventually those hours are going to add up to be skills. Yeah. And I mean, for me in the speaking business, literally for the first two years that I was a speaker, I was speaking for very minimal money for a nonprofit company that I was able to do over 200 presentations in two years and just kind of hone the skills. Although 
I'm definitely not one of the top speakers on the planet, but I have spent hours and hours and hours in front of kids that I learned how to control an audience. I learned, you know, the ability to tell a story and to engage the audience, how to control a Q&A. <laughs> like, what happens when the mic goes out and you have 500 students? Well, Gordy, if you can speak in front of high school kids, you can speak anywhere because the worst speech I ever had, and this is before I was a professional speaker, I probably should never have been hired to be uh, on this particular stage, I was in over my head, but I spoke for a big conference of high school students, and I just had no clue how to control an audience. And I always say, boy, if you can speak to high school students, you can speak to anybody. Yeah, although my my last speech was 36 to 12-year-olds that they gave them caffeine and sugar the moment <laughs> before they gave them to me in the breakout session. That nice. was an interesting experience. Nice. Well, you know, I, I, I definitely think, you know, your message that you bring to these kids is important because while a lot of them, you know, it goes in one ear and out the other. If just one kid listens and says, hey, I don't want to end up with a brick to the back of my head. I don't want to be thrown out of my parents' house. I don't, you know, I don't want to go through what Gordy went through. Then then you've done a great service. Yeah. One of one of the a seven-year-olds when we were, we put the families back together at the end and, and one of the seven-year-olds goes, today I learned how important it is to ask for help. Wow. You know, if I were to only learn that at seven instead of 27. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I totally know it at, at 50. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. But and that's and that's part of the reason why I love working with kids as well, because the simplest thing that we say can really change their world and their trajectory in life to really. And one of the things I really teach about a lot is your story. Are you telling an empowering story about yourself or are you telling a disempowering story about yourself? So let's talk a little bit about, about story. I mean, obviously as a speaker, story matters, but really for all of us, where we're going out into, into life, we, you know, we talk to ourselves and we listen to ourselves and then, you know, we spell it out for other people. How important it is, is it for people to tell a positive story about whatever they're doing. For somebody who wants to go start a company as an entrepreneur, what's the story they're telling and, and how important is that? I think story is the most most vital thing. And I was I was talking to a client yesterday who's 12 years old and he was talking about a business and then why he hadn't the the excuses why he hadn't asked his teacher over the last week, "Oh, he had this meeting or oh, he had this or oh, he had this." And I, I told him, I go, there's always going to be excuses why not to do something. But the question is, are you going to create the excuse of why you did it? And so, that's such a powerful differentiator. So in your career, and I mean, you're young, you're still, you know, climb, climbing the ladder. In your career, do you feel that you're firing on all cylinders? Do you feel like you're hitting your potential all the time? No. <laughs> I just hope to hit like 50%. So, so what's the, what's the trick? What's the trick for people who want to, I don't believe you ever hit your potential because when you get close to it, you get more potential and it, it gets sort of pushed out. So I talk to people about the gap between potential and results. It's not about building a bridge between over that gap. It's about building a lattice or a scaffolding so that people can move across. And then as more potential comes, you can just add on to that scaffolding. But you know, if you don't feel, and most people, by the way, who I talk to don't feel that they're living up to their potential all the time. So what, what can you do you know, better? And what do you think other people can do better to be able to, to just do more? Oh man, what a really good question. The, so for me, what's most important that I make sure I'm hitting my full potential for the day is my personal development. And that looks like I write every single day. 
like Stephen King. I don't know if it's going to get published or not, but I still write at least 500 words a day. That's a non-negotiable, some form of meditation, exercise, reading, personal development. I feel you have to be consuming information like this to just stay current and relevant, especially in our industry, and to be able to really know when you are even close to reaching your potential is, I think, an important thing. And also the people that you surround yourself. I love the saying, you're the average of your five closest friends. Right. Oh, yeah. The old, you know, Jim Rohn, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And and I think that's true, which leads me to, to sort of this question about networking. And you sort of touched on it before. How important are the people who are in, you know, sort of your circle of influence? How important are those people? They completely change the way that you view yourself and the way you view others. I mean, I was recently, uh, two days ago, spending time with one of my good friends and mentors who runs two very successful, over $10 million businesses. And just the way that he views the world and just having simple conversations with him really changed like my perception of the world. And we were all talking, the main thing that we were talking about is he goes, especially a lot of entrepreneurs now, they aren't necessarily thinking for themselves and being as rebellious as they were 10 or 15 years ago. Now, this is a perception that I can't have because I wasn't in the entrepreneurial space 15 years ago. And he goes... You were, you were 12. 13, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, actually, I was selling golf balls in my backyard, so I was kind of in the entrepreneurial space, but I was in a completely different space. Um, but just to be able to get that piece of insight, if I wasn't hanging out with him at an event, I wouldn't really be able to – like that changes the way that I view my work. And when I work with entrepreneurs, like even to be able to shift the conversation with them around, okay, they have an amazing business, but how can they make it bigger and how could they think that much more different than the next business owner? Oh, that's that's good. Hey. I have a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound awesome. Hey, Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can just focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Gordy Bufton. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Gordy, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So what is the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? Ooh, that's a really good question. The coolest thing I'm doing with my business right now is – we're creating a retreat for fathers and sons uh, to really get away from the noise in the real world and truly connect with each other and then a group of other amazing dads and sons to create a community that will allow them to, even from the kids' perspective, really um, connect with other kids that have dads that are similar to them, thinking differently and perceiving the world differently. So that's the coolest thing in my business right now. That's very cool. How do people find out about that? So 
if you head over to richlegacy.com, we uh, will have a landing page on there. So I love the name of that too, by the way, Rich Legacy. Just, I mean, that really resonates with me every time I see your stuff come by. Uh, I always think, boy, you've picked a picked a hell of a name for your stuff. That's good. Yeah, it's, you know, and that's something that we work with entrepreneurs is they are so focused on their legacy. And ultimately, a lot of the times they're building this business for their legacy, but they've sidetracked their family. And that's our our main focus is putting family number one again, because a lot of the time, that's why entrepreneurs do what they do is so they can spend more time with their family. But <laughs> it's a paradox. if they don't if they don't really carve it out. And that's something that we love working with entrepreneurs. And I think one thing for your listeners to go do today is create, whether it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, and block it into your schedule. Like it's an important meeting with a multi-million dollar investor. And this is a time I'm spending with my spouse or my kids. And this is (laughs) non-negotiable. Like it doesn't (laughs) matter what, guard it with your life as it was that important business meeting and make it happen. Nice, nice. Hey, so I love to ask the people who come on this show because I think great entrepreneurs are observers. Who's another entrepreneur? Not somebody you're in business with, but somebody who you see, who you say, wow, they're doing cool stuff. Hmm. Well, let, me, uh, let me think about this one for a second. Uh, the person that's coming up right now is Tom Bayou, I believe is his last name. He started Quest Nutrition and has recently pivoted from, I believe it's a billion-dollar business, to doing more in the personal development space. So I'm kind of learning what someone, if they have unlimited resources to invest in their personal development <laughs> business, how are they growing that? And he's doing it with a podcast, so you're right on right on path there, Tom, and I'm going to have to go check out podfly.net now. Yeah, Podfly is a good is a good partner. I never could have started the show without Podfly and I say that all the time. Hey, my final question is for you is I think, you know, I think entrepreneurs want to do more than just make money. They they want to leave a mark. So I always ask people, what is it that you do to give back to the greater good? Yeah, so I'm going to an event on Saturday, a bunch of young entrepreneurs, 13 to 18 pitching businesses and helping create a business in a weekend. So I really I mean, it's easy for people to write checks, but I find people get the most impact when you actually spend one-on-one time with them. So I try to really donate a certain amount of my time per month to events like that. Well, and I know that you are very generous with your time. Before we started the show, I I asked Gordy, I have a friend whose girlfriend is starting a family coaching business. And he's like, sure, have her call me. I'll talk to her. And he didn't even miss a beat. Some people are like, yeah, well, you know, maybe if they call me in May or August, you know, and and it was like, he was like, yeah, I'll just have, you know, do an email introduction. Boom, done. And so, you know, I always like people who are willing to, to give up their time. I think that's important. Yeah, and honestly, to any of your listeners, if there's any questions or anything in regards to your kids, feel free to please reach out and communicate. So how can can people find you? Yeah, the easiest is richlegacy.com is our main website. And then if you just email thrive, T-H-R-I-V, at richlegacy.com, I will make sure the email gets to me me through the channels and I always respond to all requests. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, Gordy, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you, Tom, and love what you're doing and can't wait to connect in Phoenix soon. Yeah, I'm going to come through Phoenix a couple times this year, so maybe one of these times we'll get together and have coffee again. We we did it in Austin a few weeks ago, so we'll, we'll, we'll do it in Phoenix. All right. Awesome. 
All right. Thank you. And thank you to the listeners of the show. Hey, I say it every time. If it wasn't for the listeners, we wouldn't have a show. So jump on over to the Facebook page and, and follow us. Find out what we're doing with cool things entrepreneurs do. And if you really like the show, go over to iTunes and leave a five-star review saying, I really like this show because uh, that helps the show get found. But also it really just makes my day brighter. And I could always use a little bit more shininess on every day. So uh, you know, a review a day would be awesome. And then if you want to join the Cool Things Project, which is our group coaching program, it's actually in the process of having a name change from the Cool Things Project to the Potential Project because everything we're talking about uh, in much of my business is all about helping people realize what their potential is and, and leave as little of it on the cutting it cutting room floor as they can. So uh, the Potential Project will be the name of it soon. You can find out about that by going to TomSinger.com. Go to the About menu. You'll see a button that says Group Coaching Program. And every bit of information you will ever need is right there, and you can sign up and join us in that uh, mighty group of people who have a nice little mastermind going on a weekly basis. And we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Gordy. But in the meantime, I challenge you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.